Contrary to much modern thought, there is definitely a life architect behind it all, and he has some definite ideas about the way each of us should live our lives. Our study leader is Dave Wurtzen. During his first two years in Dallas Seminary, he worked a construction job in the summer. Listen as he begins our discussion with an illustration from his construction days. When I was going through seminary, I worked as a carpenter's helper for a couple summers. And if you've ever worked construction, then you know the elite position that a carpenter's helper enjoys. The carpenter's helper gets tobacco juice spit all over him. For the first three weeks, I really couldn't understand what my union carpenter was telling me because everything was punctuated with expletives deleted. My major task was to pull nails that have used lumber to go and fill his nail pouch with 16s or 8s or whatever he was asking me to get. And I was his, another name for a carpenter's helper is the carpenter's gopher. Go for this, go for that. I never figured out, you know, why when I came on the job site in the morning, I would come on with my jeans and my white t-shirt and I would get my nail pouch on. I could never figure out why nobody jumped when I came on the job site. I mean, nobody even looked up from their task. I mean, the superintendent kept drinking his coffee. These carpenters would continue gathering together, drinking their coffee before he went out of the job. Nobody even paid any attention to me. Now, there was a different person that used to come out to our job every once in a while. And unlike the carpenter's helper, when this individual came on the job, everybody jumped. His name was the architect. And when we got word, when my superintendent got word, the architect was going to arrive at 3 o'clock, we would scurry all over that job site and make sure that all the jobs were done and, and the blueprints would be gotten out. These big drawings like this. And obviously they were out all the time, but my superintendent would be poring over these kind of drawings, making sure that when the architect got there, these things would be fulfilled. In other words, the architect got respect. Carpenters, helpers, the gophers, they don't get any respect. Designers do. The same thing happened when our contractor came on the job to inspect his work. When the superintendent knew his boss was coming, man, the blueprints were gone over. He'd go all over that site inspecting things, making sure that everything was taken care of. What I want to talk about today is that the beginning of a wise life the beginning of a wise life begins by treating God not like a gopher. Go for this, God. Meet this need, God. I'm in a foxhole. Will you deliver me? A lot of us treat God like he's just our helper, just to come in times of need, just our gopher. What I want you to realize from the book of Proverbs is that, first of all, there is one of these for life. We talked about that the last time. We're going to look at some other verses in Proverbs that emphasize that point. There actually is a creator, and there actually is a design. And one of the points that I want to make very clear today is that there is a design for the physical world, the creation that we live in, the heavens, the starry heavens, the ocean, the chemical processes of life, the physical process of life are all controlled by a very skillful blueprint. Now, I think most of you will buy that, although some of you that are really into avant-garde thinking and science will say, no, life really is just the throw of a dice. 
Well, God isn't playing, according to the Word of God, Las Vegas chance probabilities with creation. And we're going to talk about that. The Bible still claims in a modern scientific world that the world is not a mistake. It's not run just by probabilities. There is a physical blueprint. But I want to say something that's even more strategic, and that is that ethics is not up for grabs. Morality, the kind of decisions you make for right, the kind of decisions that you make for evil, are not up for grabs either. Just as there's a blueprint, there's an order in the physical world, there's also an order, there's a plan in your moral world. Let's look at the architect's credentials, because if you're going to respect God, as an architect, you're going to have to know very clearly what his credentials are. So let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Back into the book of Proverbs, we're developing the foundation of a skillful life, which is the reverential trust in the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation. It's the beginning, but it's a beginning that you never leave. You build off of this foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of a skillful life. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of living wisely. Now, why should we reverence the Lord? And the first point that we began to develop the last time I spoke to you was the reason we should reverence the Lord is because He is the skillful designer and creator of the cosmos. God's skill and insight God's skill, his insight, and his knowledge guided the creation of the universe. Look at Proverbs 3, 19 through 20. And there the wise man writes, By wisdom, tell me, what? By what? Tell me out loud. By, tell me louder. By wisdom. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. Not by accidents, by accident, not by chance, not just because of some cosmic roll of the dice, but by wisdom, by a blueprint, by a plan, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. God presents himself like being an architect who designed the plans. For those of you who are involved in construction, he's also presenting himself as the contractor that built the universe. Every contractor knows you begin by preparing the soil. You begin by laying the foundation. The projects that I worked on for a couple of summers, I never got off the ground with any job I did. I spent all summer in a hole preparing the foundation. What Proverbs is saying, the Lord, our Heavenly Father, that we're here to worship today, laid the foundation of the earth. By understanding, by his wise choices, the word understanding means to make choices between one option and another. By the Lord's wise choices of options, he set up the heavens. That would be the starry heavens, the whole universe that we live in. By understanding, he set up the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided. Some of you are going to get very interested in oceanography. It's a tremendous field right now. It's a field that's it's exploding. It gets some popularity when we think of, of submersibles that can discover the sunken Titanic. And National Geographic can run marvelous pictures of this decaying ship. And it reminds us of what's being discovered in oceanography. Some of the young people are going to go away to college, and some of the schools in Texas are really very strategic in this area. 
But one of the temptations you're going to have, whether it be in physics, whether it be in chemistry, whether it be in oceanography, whether it be in any field of knowledge, the tendency is to begin to feel that what you learn at your mother's knee, what you learn sitting on your father's lap, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The temptation is to begin to think, I've grown up out of all of that. Jesus really doesn't know what's going on in the oceans. If you're studying advanced mathematics, it's easy to think in your mind, what would a Galilean peasant carpenter know about differential equations? And so you go away to college, and especially in the early days, in what we can call the sophomore period, the foolish wise period, when you think you know everything, and some of your professors can think that they know everything, and they can think that the Bible's childish, and they can think of believing that Christ died on the cross for sins is an old, outmoded idea. One of the things I want you to understand is that it was by knowledge that the universe was created. Many times the church does act obscurantis. In other words, they're living in the past. They're afraid of new knowledge. I want to nail something really down strongly for you. I am not afraid of any knowledge, any truth, any glimpse of reality. Because my father created reality by his word, by his knowledge, by his plan. Knowledge, education, young people, moms and dads will not destroy anybody. Pride destroys people, not knowledge. It's not learning realities. It's not growing in your understanding of life. It's when you stop being on your knees and you start to think, I know more than God. I know more about chemistry than God does. I know more about biology than God does. That's the problem. You see, when you get off your knees, when you lose reverence, when you lose awe, when you get up off your knees and start saying, man's the measure of all things, I'm the smart one, that's when you lose the foundation. And what I'm talking about today is a very subtle temptation. And I would just plead with you to hear what I'm saying. The Lord created the universe as we live in by wisdom, by his insight, and by his knowledge. Anything you learn about reality will ultimately correspond to the will of your Father. Please don't waste time in life by starting to believe that Jesus is naive. I would pray with all my heart that some of our young people would grow up and develop tremendous skills in the sciences, in psychology, in ethics, in economics, in all kinds of fields you can describe. But I trust that they would do it in submission to the Lordship of Christ, always on their knees. By the way, if you wait long enough in life, you'll find out that many of the people that lived many years as if they knew all things, as they near the end of their life, they'll start to tell you, no, we don't know very much at all. And they'll start to be humble. And the tragedy is that many of them, instead of living this precious human life to glorify God, they live it for themselves following a dead-end street. What the Scripture is telling us here is that God's wisdom, His understanding, His knowledge are what created the universe as we see it. 
is what allowed the clouds to drop down the dew. It's a beautiful verse expressing God's creation. Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22 and following. One of the most beautiful passages in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8. And here we learn a little bit about the blueprint. Proverbs 8, 22 and following is making this claim. It pictures us going back in time before there was anything except God. Have you ever wanted to go back into eternity past? To go back before that split second of the beginning? His creation process like you would build a construction project. And he takes us back into eternity and that's a category that we really can't totally understand. So God pictures it for us the way that you would think of, you would describe a process to a small child. And he begins in verse 22 by saying, wisdom is speaking. God's blueprint is personified. So wisdom talks, and you girls should enjoy this very much, because God's blueprint for skillful living is presented as a she. You see, the Bible's not male chauvinistic, okay? God personifies his wise blueprint. Some of you girls really can grow up to be architects, very skillful ones, because in Proverbs 8, verse 22, wisdom, God's blueprint for skillful living, for the skillful running of the universe is presented as a woman. So she says, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, any matter of the world, any dust of the earth, wisdom was brought forth. Now, God is not saying, if you think about this carefully, wisdom is not saying that there was a moment in time when she was created. There's been a lot of debate over this passage because many church theologians have taken this passage as talking about Jesus Christ ultimately. And in the sense that the plans of God the Father are the plans of God the Son, wisdom does refer to Christ. But it refers to Christ in the same way as it refers to the Father. These are the ideas of the Father. And what these verses are telling us is not anything about the beginning of wisdom because we're back in eternity. Follow me. We're back before there was time. What God is doing in these verses is very graciously saying, let me try to picture it for you. And so it's like God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit picture themselves gathered together around a drafting table and they begin to draft the universe. They begin to draft what Carl Sagan refers to as the cosmos, the created order. Now, there never was a time when God really had to do that because God's ideas are eternal. God's ideas always exist. He's immutable. He doesn't change. But because he loves you and he knew you would understand if you use this kind of a picture, wisdom, God's blueprint, presents herself as being conceived in the mind of God. The important point that, that I want you to realize is that wisdom is not chance. It's not just like the throw of a dice. God is presented as developing a very skillful, wise plan for the universe. And then wisdom presents herself as being on the job. As God begins to create the universe, wisdom is right on the job with God. Look what it says in verse 27. I was there when he set the heavens in place. 
Can you imagine that? The astronomers, just, there was just a, a marvelous event that took place. Just totally surprised them. A star died, and then all of a sudden another star appeared right in its place, and it's got them all baffled. And so it's a really exciting time in astronomy because something that really wasn't supposed to happen, happened. Well, it didn't catch God by surprise. And wisdom presents herself being right there when God says, let there be light. And there was light. You see, the reason we're here to worship God today, the reason we need to get to know him, is he is the creator who just said, let there be stars. And there were stars. It's an incredible reality. God doesn't tell us all the processes that he was involved in to bring it about. Science has a very legitimate area of trying to figure out if they keep it in humility and fear to try to figure out maybe some of the processes that God, that God used. But the scripture tells us who the author of it was. And wisdom says, I was right there. And by the way, to really learn about creation, you need to have somebody that's on the job. If you're really going to be scientific, you need to have somebody who observed it, somebody who saw it, someone who was right there. And God presents his ideas, his plans, as being the guiding force that was right there and created the heavens. What about the oceans? Have you ever, ever been out at sea, involved in a storm, and you realize the unbelievable power that's out there? It says, when he marked out the horizon in the face of the deep, wisdom was there. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, wisdom was there. Do you ever thank God that he set boundaries for the ocean? Does anybody here have a lake house on the ocean down at the Gulf? And how many of you, when you're down at the Gulf, watch the ocean coming in? Coming in. How many of you ever said, Lord, thank you so much that it only goes so far? See, I went to high school in Florida. We used to go over to Daytona Beach. It was really fun to swim at Daytona when a hurricane was coming in. Not when it was right there. You didn't do it then. But about a week before the hurricane hit the coast, it was the best body surfing in the world. But you know, there's an amazing thing. When I was body surfing in Daytona, I never went right into downtown Daytona. And I never rode a wave all the way into Orlando. And I'm really thankful for that. God set a boundary for the ocean. Scientists tell us that all Antarctica has to do is melt just a little bit. And New York City goes underwater. New Yorkers today aren't saying, Lord, thank you so much for setting a boundary for the deep. But as believers this morning, we can thank the Lord for that. The book of Genesis tells us that God set a boundary for the deep. If you're studying oceanography, you can worship in that experience because you're learning about God's control and a wise designing plan. Now, there is chaos in it because a rebellion has taken place in God's universe. And so there is a horrible twist in it. And there's a lot of chaos that takes place. But still, underneath that chaos you can still see enough of the marvelous, skillful hand of God to have an elegant testimony to the fact life isn't just probabilities. The oceans don't just do their own thing. There is a guiding, sovereign hand. You say, well, Dave, where do I fit into all this? Modern thinking says you're not really that important. Now, we strut at school and say, I can do anything if I just believe it, I can do it. You, we even learn slogans like that. 
But the modern world, to be honest with you, young people and moms and dads, the modern world is really putting you into a model where you're really not that important. The modern world really says you're just a little speck in nothingness. In other words, there's millions and millions of light years. There's probably millions of other worlds that all took place by chance and probabilities. You arrived here on earth as a descended tree shrew. And don't think you're so important. In fact, the only importance you can really get is just to try to capture a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of fun, do your own thing, because the whole thing might blow up in a nuclear holocaust, and then it will set evolution back a little bit, but it'll go on somewhere else, in, in somewhere, somehow, some way. Now, if you really think about that, you're going to be full of despair. Because most of you wrestle with the idea, I'm really not that important. Nobody really cares. Now, the beginning of a skillful life begins not with the idea that I am a speck of cosmic dust in the midst of nothingness. When you think of millions and millions of light years going into outer space, I also want you to remember something else. There are millions of light years that you can go into minutia. It's just as far to infinity in macrospace as it is in microspace. So if you want to look at it that way, you're right smack dab in the middle. And from a biblical standpoint, you are in the middle of God's plan. God didn't say on day six, oh yeah, as an afterthought, well, we created the stars, we created light, we created the oceans, created a beautiful world. What else can we do? So one of the angels joined in, well, let's create something that's really gross and, and really isn't that important. You know, let's just throw a little bit of cosmic dust. Let's create man. That's not what the scripture says. That's what a lot of modern thinking says. And that's why so many of ourselves don't feel any value. The scripture says that the epitome of God's creation on the sixth day, as the climactic event, so climactic that in chapter 2, God says, I'm going to tell you all over about it. I want to tell you all over how I created you because you are really important. It says, let us make man in the image of God. Let us make them male and female. So God created them in the image of God. Brothers and sisters, modern thought wants to tell you that you're nothing. God's thought says that all of his creation was meant for you to enjoy. How many of you have ever walked out in a starry night and looked up into the starry heaven and just been awed by it? You know, I went to visit somebody in Charlton Hospital. You know, have you ever noticed how a lot of the greatest pleasures in life are just really simple things? And I was walking at the sidewalk of Charlton, and the sun was just shining down on my face. And I was just thinking, the sun was warming my body, and I was thinking, man, I can't believe it. It's the perfect temperature in the sunrise. The sunshine upon us. How many of you felt pretty good this week because of the beautiful weather we've been having? Do you know why God created that beautiful weather? So that in your heart, you would say that? You say, you've got to be kidding. No. God created the sun for you. You needed it. It's the energy source that God gave you. But he did it for you. He did it so he could get that response in your heart. There is not a dog in all the universe that, that this week said, Oh, God, thank you so much for the sunshine. They didn't do that. There wasn't an elephant. There wasn't a porpoise moving up the animal chain a little bit. No porpoise jumped out of the water this week. Oh, God, what a beautiful ocean. I really love this ocean. Thank you. No animal did that, but you can do it.
We can do it. We can praise His name. The issue is, will we take the time to do it? As Dave closed our lesson today, talking about how we can enjoy fellowship with God in a simple life pleasure, such as feeling the warmth of the sun, I couldn't help but think of how many of us are too busy with our important projects and responsibilities to even notice if the sun is shining. I know some of you are so burdened that even when the sun does shine bright and clear, things remain dark and dismal. Perhaps it's time to lay aside those pressing responsibilities for a few minutes, or all those cares and fears. Force yourself to get outside. Go for a walk. Life's Creator and Architect created you to enjoy His handiwork. There is a personal God who built this earth as a love gift to us. Because His Son gave His life, the barrier of sin that separates us from intimacy with our Creator has been removed. His resurrection has conquered the curse of death, and it's time to begin to walk in the garden of closeness with our Heavenly Father again. The motto of Proverbs states that this is the foundation of a wise life. A reverential intimacy with the Lord is the beginning of a skillful life. Our prayer is that none of you will despise the wisdom of Proverbs. Instead, we want to do everything we can to help you internalize this message in your heart.